Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Church, isn't that wonderful what God's doing all over the world? You know, and all of that's coming through your generosity. And we just want to say thank you to you, all of our campuses, for so faithfully supporting Word of Life Church. You know, because of your faithful giving to this church and to your campus, we're seeing that gift be multiplied around the world. Um, so far this year, uh, we've given close to 900 to write out a million dollars already to World Missions, other ministries, local outreach. It's amazing. Um, And that missionary that you just saw this year earlier, we were able to give them their entire year's budget. Just say, go do ministry. Don't focus on fundraising. Just go to Panama and make a difference in the world. Uh, But we're able to do fun things like that for missionaries because of your faithful support to this house. And I just want to say thank you. You know, every time you give what you're saying to the Lord is I care about your house more than I care about mine. I care about your kingdom more than I care about mine. And how many of you know when we put God first, it enables him to go to work in our lives like never before. But it's not just about his blessing in our lives. It's about that we genuinely love his kingdom and we genuinely love other nations and genuinely love each other uh, by providing things for each other. And I just love that you love giving and you're so faithful at it. We just celebrate you and know God's at work in you. Uh, For all of our campuses, we want to say a big hello. Can we here at Lakeland say hello to Fondren? campus and Highland Colony campus. So good to have your face in those places. And next week, we will be able to say hello to a brand new place as our Poindexter campus is opening. It'll be our fourth physical location. It'll meet every single Sunday, and we're excited about that. Now, of course, I would love to invite everybody out there to the grand opening, but we would not be able to contain you uh, in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, so we're asking all seed members to show up next week. And, and if you want to come, you can come, but just know it's a tight fit. <laughs> so I have a, a 10 o'clock and an 11.30 service. Uh, but yeah, God has been so faithful. The building is is looking wonderful. Uh, we've been able to restore it and bring it back to uh, not just its former glory. I think it's going to look better than ever before uh, and has come out really, really great. And so we're excited to celebrate that. Uh, Pastor Robert and Kim are here today. They'll be our campus pastors at Word of Life Point Exeter. Uh, and so we're excited about that. And excited about what God's doing at all of our campuses. And real quick, not only is that opening up next week, but we're going to have a revival night at our Lakeland campus. Normally we do revival nights at Highland Colony, but we wanted to kind of switch it up a bit. We'll have a revival night at our Lakeland campus the last Wednesday of March. So the last Wednesday of March, Revival Night, Lakeland Campus, and as with all Revival Nights, there will be child care that's involved in that. Somebody says, well, what in the world's Revival Night? It's a time for us to just come together for encounter. And that's what I feel like um, Revival Night will be like. It's just an encounter with us and God. It's a moment to pull away from the world, 
pull away from any time constraints and to just press into God and see what he wants to say to us. And so I want to invite you to come out to it. Bring your friends, bring your family. We'll have a great time. And then at our Fondren campus, we have a service that meets every single Sunday at 6 p.m. I'll be teaching tonight. It's always a different message at the 6 p.m. service than it is at the other uh, services during the Sunday morning. And tonight, I believe we're going to talk about recognizing God's voice. What does God sound like when he's speaking to me? How do I discern that? What does that look like? Uh, We're going to be discussing that. We would love to have you come out to that. Uh, So lots of fun things going on here at Word of Life. And we've got something that is super exciting to me to share today as well. And it's on the subject of faith because we're in a series entitled All Things Are Possible. How many of you know with God? All things are possible. There's nothing beyond his reach to change. Like whatever it is, God can fix it. God can change it. God can turn it. And today what I want to talk about is how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And for those of you who are taking notes, I want you to just write this down. All of our campuses, write this down. Even our online campus, take a moment. Don't just play this at your house. Have church with us. Engage with us. What words are written on my heart? I want you to ask yourself that question today. What words are written on my heart? Uh, Now, each one of us, we're going to hear a lot of words today. Uh, You've grown up your, your whole life hearing a lot of words, but there are certain words that are written on your heart. And your life will never move further than those words. There are words that are written on my heart. My life will never move further than those words. But there are also words written on your heart. And those words are forming the boundaries of your life. And until those words change, your life never will. What words are written on your heart? In the Old Testament, there was a guy by the name of Jacob. Uh, He got this label. He got this name because of what happened at birth. He was a twin. And he came out holding the heel of his brother Esau. And when they saw that, they named him Jacob. And for them, they didn't just pick names of like, that's the most popular name of 2023, you know, or that type of thing. Um, They picked names as labels, as words describing what they believed that child would be. And Jacob means supplanter and deceiver. And those words were not just words that Jacob heard. Undoubtedly, growing up, he heard his parents speak a lot of words. I'm sure he got some type of education. He had a lot of words spoken around him then. But that word Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, was written on his heart. And he lived up to every bit of it. He was a trickster. He was a supplanter. He was a deceiver. And it caused a lot of harm in his family. Brought a lot of division into his family. Uh, He tricked his brother and stole his birthright and blessing. 
He tricked his father and created so much tension in the household that if you know scripture, he actually had to leave the household. His mom came to him and told him, because of what you've done, your brother Esau is going to kill you. And and she didn't mean like uh, figuratively. She meant literally. And so he had to run for his life. And he, he went and lived in Laban's house. And if you know the story there, you see every action has an equal but opposite reaction. Um, In the kingdom of God, it's called the principle of sowing and reaping, that what you sow, you will reap. Do not be mocked. Uh, God, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows is exactly what that person will reap. And so Jacob spent years sowing deception and supplanting, and he reaped a harvest of 14 years of being deceived from Laban. Uh, and in the middle of all this, of reaping this harvest, though, he saw God was still with him. And, and how many of you know uh, that God is with you even in the middle of your imperfection? How many of you are thankful that God is with you even in the middle of your imperfection? Uh, that God will work with you as much as he can. God will work with you as much as he can. But there came a moment in Jacob's life where Jacob knew he couldn't be Jacob any longer. And I actually feel like that's what revival night is going to be like when we're here. Is like for many of us we know we can't be Jacob any longer. Something must change. And Jacob knew that this change was not going to happen by the flesh. It would have to, ha- have to happen by the spirit. And so he has a moment where he makes a decision to wrestle with God. And in this story, he wrestles with God and he tells God this, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And many of you have probably heard that statement before. Maybe you even had a moment like that of like, God, I'm not giving up until you bless me. Like something's got to change. And so God says, okay, I'll bless you. And I want you to notice how God does. The Bible says that he touches his thigh and he takes the strength out of it. Now, for any of you who like work out or things like that, you know, the strongest part of your body is not your bicep. Uh, As men, like we really care about biceps and things like that, but it's actually a very small muscle that doesn't generate that much power. There are bigger muscles within your body that actually propel you forward. It's in your legs. Um, And in the lower part of your body, that's where a power base is. And when God touches his thigh, he's touching the strongest point of his flesh, and he took the power out of it. He took the power out of the strongest point of his flesh. Now remember, all of this is to bless him. I will not let go until you bless me. And the way he blesses him is he takes the power out of the strongest point of his flesh. And then he says, I'm going to give a new word written in your heart. From here on out, you will no longer be called Jacob. You will not be operating underneath that label. That word will be erased from your heart. And I'm going to give you a new word. I'm going to give you a new label. From now on, you will be Israel for a prince with God and man. I have made you. The children of Israel, that's not talking about a place. That's talking about a person. Jacob was renamed Israel. And out of this, the way God blessed him is he's saying, here's how I'm going to bless you. 
I'm not going to change anything about your life outwardly. I'm going to change something about your life inwardly. I'm going to make you less dependent upon your flesh, and I'm going to make you more dependent upon a brand new word written in your heart. You want to be blessed? I'm going to take away your dependency and strength in your flesh, and I'm going to give you a brand new word in your heart. Now, I'm sure for most of us, it sounds like, but God, what I really wanted was a new car. Like, that's genuinely the blessing I was searching for here. You know, a new house or a new job or more money or whatever it may be, healing, health. But here's what God knows, that if you will rely less on your physical ability to produce a greater life and more on God's ability to give you a new word in your heart, That if that that word gets in your heart, it will change anything about your life. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Romans. We're going to look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Without a doubt, this is a famous passage of scripture. Uh, Whenever people are teaching on faith, we already quoted it. Romans 10 and verse number 17. I still hear some pages turning here at Lakeland, so at all of our campuses, I'll give you some time to get over there to it. Romans 10 and verse 17, it says this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, And hearing by the word of God, the word of Christ. Now, we mentioned this two weeks ago, that faith is a set of persuasions, a set of convictions, a set of beliefs. Faith is my my core values of persuasions, convictions, beliefs. And the way we get those beliefs, persuasions, and convictions is by hearing. Uh, I'll pick an example we're all familiar with, money. Is it good? Is it the root of all evil? Is it neutral? Is it easy to make? Uh, Or does money not grow on trees? Is it very hard to make? All of us have different persuasions, convictions, beliefs about money. Where did those convictions, persuasions, and beliefs come from? Through hearing, through what you heard from your parents, from others, through a teacher, through a mentor, convictions about money. Debt, is it good or bad? Well, it's like, well, how much do you have? If it's four times your income, then it's whatever. You know, we have convictions, beliefs, persuasions about debt. Where did they come from? Hearing. Uh, We have different uh, persuasions, convictions, and beliefs about politics. Am I a Republican? Am I a Democrat, Libertarian, uh, Independent? All of these beliefs, convictions, persuasions, where did they come from? It came from what you heard. Now, about everything in life, whether it's a Ford or a Chevy or whatever it may be, we have different persuasions, different convictions, different beliefs, that have been built in our heart, words that have been written in our hearts from what we have heard. Now, here's what I want you to see today. I'm not here to change your beliefs about money or politics or those types of things. What I want to talk about today is you. You have beliefs about you, convictions about you, persuasions 
about you. And most of these convictions, persuasions, beliefs came from wrong sources. I'll put it to you this way. Came from limiting sources. Because what we're going to see from Scripture is most of our convictions, persuasions, and beliefs about ourselves come from people who did not make us. And who do not really know us. Go to the book of Luke. Uh, so Jesus asked, well, I'm sorry, let's, uh, let's wait on Luke. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is having a, a moment with his disciples. And he asks them a very interesting question. Um, and he comes to them in Matthew 16, in verse number 13. And it said, and Jesus came into the district of Philippi. And he asked his disciples a question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is he's talking about himself who do people say that i am and they said well some say john the baptist others elijah others still jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said to them but who do you say that i am and simon peter answered you are the christ the son of the living god now notice this in verse number 14 some say you're john the baptist others elijah Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then other people said he's, um, you know, a false teacher. Um, He is leading people astray. They labeled him with negative labels. Now, John the Baptist, that's a good title. He's a good man. Elijah, good man, powerful, miracles. Jeremiah, Isaiah, prophets who could see far out into the future. Amazing titles. But all of them would have been incorrect, And not uh, just incorrect, limiting, limiting labels. Everybody in this room, I don't care who you are, you've been labeled. Smart, funny, introverted, extroverted. Uh, They just like to keep to themselves. They're so outgoing. Uh, Man, I tell you what, they just pay attention in class. Or man, I tell you what, I can't pay them to pay attention in class. Like no matter how I pay them to pay attention in class, they only care about Xbox. Like whatever it may be, labeled. And it's not just some of it, some of it's just words. Others of it is written in your heart. And when you think about you, you think about yourself in terms of the labels that others have put upon you. Now, if God has his way, where are your persuasions, your convictions, your beliefs coming from? Not coming from people. Faith, my convictions. Faith, my persuasions. Faith, my beliefs are coming from hearing and hearing by what? By the word of God. That the word of God forms my convictions about myself. The word of God forms my beliefs about myself. That I'm not just in life, I am in Christ. And the one who gets to define me is the one who made me. If you did not make me, you don't have the right to name me. Because only the maker of the object knows the full potential of it. You know who knows the full potential of the iPhone? The one who made it. And because they made it, they get to name it. And out of that, you can call it whatever you want. 
But the label that's on it is the label of the maker. Because no one knows the potential of the item greater than the one who made the item. And I've got news for you today. Your parents may have had you, but it's your God who made you. And before you were in your mother's womb, you were equipped with graces and talents and abilities and calls and anointings and plans that God labeled you with. And in life, what we're trying to do is discover those labels, not create them. And where we find them is in God's word and in prayer. Jesus knew all of these labels that people were trying to give him. They may have even some of them good, but limiting. So you know what Jesus did? Jesus made scripture his priority. You remember in, in, in scripture when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that they lost Jesus? Do you remember that story? Jesus was a child and they lost him. Can you imagine? Like you lose your kid, like that's a problem, right? Like you can't find your kid for a couple of days. Like you gotta me- measure panic within you. You lose the savior of the world. Like an angel appears to you and it's like, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the savior of the world. In fact, you're not even going to get to name him. Here's his name. Like all those types of things. You have an angel tell you all that and you lose him for days. That's a problem. And when they finally go back and find him, where do they find Jesus? He's with the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, hearing and debating scripture. Uh, When Satan comes after Jesus, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness. He's there. He's tempted of the devil for 40 days. Satan comes to him with temptation. What does Jesus answer him with? Scripture. And it wasn't just scripture that he's like, where was that again in Isaiah? Like trying to sort through it. It was scripture. This is what I want to get at. Scripture that was in him. Scripture that was in him. And he answered the temptation with the scripture that was written on his heart. Jesus made scripture the foundation of which every one of his beliefs about himself came from. I'll prove it to you. Go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And let's look here in verse number 16. Now, how many of you know Jesus was awesome? He is awesome, but in earth, he really displayed his awesomeness with like walking on water, commanding the wind and the waves, in short, living a life with whom all things were possible. Uh, The disciples would often look at him and say, what manner of man is this? Like just incredibly impressed by Jesus. And Jesus's goal was not to just impress people. Jesus's goal was to show people how to live where nothing in this world dominated man, but that man, through the power of the written word, Jesus was so much a believer in the word that they called him the word made flesh and dwelt among us um, to show us the power of the written word, that if you live life with scripture as the foundation of your heart, it unlocks the power of God in your life. And so when Jesus is reading scripture, he's not just developing doctrine, he is finding himself in the scripture. And in Luke chapter four, we see this at its best. I mean, at its best. Luke chapter four, verse number 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him began to spread throughout the region. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. 
And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened up the book and found the place where it was written. Watch this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, all the eyes of all the people in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He opened up scripture, found the scripture that spoke about him and said, you don't want to know who I am? I am this. The spirit of the Lord is on me. And today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. This is who I am. My label is not what you call me. My label is not what other people want to give me. My label is not just something that a friend manufactured or a teacher put on me after they looked at my grades. I'll tell you who I am. I'm going to open up scripture. I'm going to go to Isaiah and I'm going to say today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Because here's the thing about God. He is not obligated to perform your word, but he has tied himself forever to his word. And as the rain descends from heaven and and floods the earth and goes back up to the heavens, so his word goes out of his mouth. It is designed to return to him. Jesus found himself written in scripture. Let me ask you this question. Have you? Have you found yourself in scripture and said, that is me? Have you found yourself written in scripture and said, that is my verse, that is my scripture. Today, this scripture will be fulfilled in my life. One one of the the preachers that I grew up listening to, he's since gone home to be with the Lord. Um, But in his younger years, he was very sick, sick to the point of death. He was born premature. They said he was so small, he could just fit in the palm of your hand almost. And they thought he was dead. They actually were going, this was like way back in like the early 1900s. They were going to bury him. They thought he was dead. But the grandmother noticed a little, uh, a little bit of life in him, a little spark of life. And so they, they kept him. Sure enough, he lived, but he had an incurable heart disease and, and blood disease and all these types of things. And just lived very sickly and weak all throughout his life. At age 16, he was in bed knocking on death's door. And doctors and pastors and everybody came to him and said, this is it, son. Like, just release yourself. You know, we'll see you in heaven. All those types of things. Just given up on. And he said, I was sitting in bed. And he said, I just made a decision to read scripture. Just, he said, I was thinking a lot about the next life and life after death. And just felt like I ought to know Jesus as much as I can before I get up there. And so I had him bring me a Bible, and he said, I had enough strength to just turn one page a day. And he said, I, I, I saw that there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so I just made a decision to start in the New. Figured New would mean today. 
And so I opened up the new and just began reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I got to a place about a story of a woman with an issue of blood. And he said, when I saw she had an issue of blood, I saw I had an issue of blood. And I saw doctors had tried to heal me, but I got nothing better, but rather grew worse. And I saw she spent all her money on doctors and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she made a decision to press through all the discomfort and pain and to lay a hold of the hem of his garment. And when she touched the hem of his garment, the power of God went out of Jesus and went into her and healed her, brought her back to life. And he said, Jesus turned to her in the press and said, woman, your faith has made you whole. And he said, just like in a flash, I saw it, that if her faith could make her whole, my faith can make me whole. He saw himself in scripture. It wasn't just a nice word. It wasn't just a cute thing you could hang in the house. He saw himself in scripture. And that word got in him. And he said, I made a decision right then and there. I was going to receive the power of God. He said, I took my feet and I slid them off the edge of my bed. And I made a decision to stand up. He said, I hadn't stood up by myself in months. He said, when I stood up, he said, I felt something fall from heaven like warm honey that went all the way from my head to my feet. When it got to my legs that had had no feeling in them, he said, it hurt so good. He said, it hurt because it felt like pins and needles were coming back to life. But he said, it felt so good that I actually could feel something like that. And the doctors who said he should have died at 16 saw that man live all the way to age 86. And here's my point. He found himself in scripture. The world put a label on him. You're going to die. The world put a label. Religion put a label on him. You're going to die. There is no hope here. But he did not allow the negative report by the 12 spies to get in his heart. Instead, he decided to believe the report of the Lord and to fix his eyes on the word of God. Jesus said in the book of John, look at this in John chapter 15 and verse number seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done unto you. (laughs) Jesus, the Lord, the Savior, the head of the church said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you wish and it will be done to you. Now, I got news for you. If you're a Christian, you got the point one knocked out. You abide in him and he is in you. In him we live and move and have our being, Paul said. As a Christian, I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. But notice that's not the only qualification. If, 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 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it will be done unto you. But you come to most Christians, it's like, well, what are you praying for? It's like healing, new car, you know, more provision, restoration, whatever it may be. It's like, okay, great. What scriptures are you standing on? What scriptures are you standing on? They're like, ah, none in particular. It's like, well, that's what you're gonna get. Nothing in particular. Because God is not obligated to do your will, but he will forever tie himself to his own. 
if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, which is why Jesus said this in Mark four, I'll close with this Mark four verse 13. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you not understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. You know what God's interested in doing right now? Jacob, do you know what God's interested in? God, I want you to bless me. Great, I will. How am I, how's he going to bless me? He's going to give you a new word. He's going to give you a word that's designed to get in your heart. The sower sows the word. Somebody says, I don't want a word. I want a job. The word will get you a job. The word will get you a breakthrough. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Watch what happens. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. When they hear immediately Satan, your enemy, comes and takes away the word which has been sown, where? In you. There are certain words that are in you. There are certain words God's trying to get in you. And when those words try to get in you, Satan comes immediately for those words. And watch this. He takes it away from us. In a similar way, these are the ones who the seed was sown on rocky places. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. When affliction or persecution arises, why? Why is there trouble in my life? Any type of trouble, any type of affliction, any type of symptom, any type of frustration, why is it there? It's not there just for your health. It's not there just for your worry or anxiety. What is, what is the affliction there for? It is there for the word. It is trying to get the word out of your heart. He said affliction and persecution arises because of the word. And immediately they fall away. Verse number 18. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the warns and are the ones who have heard the word. Verse 19, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, and those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good ground, the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it. Hear the word and hold on to it. Hear the word and pay attention to it. And they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. He's not talking about seed and apples. He's talking about the word of God and you seeing it produced in your life. And he said, some of you will see it 30%. 30%. But I'll tell you what, you read Psalms 23, you just get 30% of Psalms 23. You'll be okay in life. 30, 60, and 100 fold. But he said, the thing that produces, the thing that changes things on the outside is what's going on on the inside. Guard your heart, the proverb says, for out of it flow the issues of life. You know what that word issue means? Boundaries. Guard your heart, for out of your heart flow the boundaries of your life. You will never move beyond your heart. You will never move beyond your heart. God knows this, so when he tries to bless you, he blesses you with a new word. He blesses you with something he's trying to get in you, a prophecy or something spoken in prayer or something spoken in scripture. It resonates in the very deep of you. And he wants you to hold on to that word because if you hold on to that word, that something on the inside will change everything on the outside. 
But Satan knows this too. So when he sees you get the word in you, you know what he comes with? Two things. Two things. Discouragement and distraction. Discouragement and distraction. Discouragement and distraction. You get a word in you. God tells you to come. You step out on the boat, out of the boat. You step on the word, come. You're walking on water. But then you see something discouraging. You're noticing the wind and the waves and fear begins to capture your attention. Win your emotions. And your attention gets off the word. And your attention gets on to the the problem and gets on to the situation. Instead of seeing God as your provider, you're looking at the bills. Instead of seeing God as your healer and focusing on Isaiah 53, by his stripes, I am healed. You're looking at the symptoms. You're looking at the pain. You're looking at what the doctor said. And out of this, it's, it's taking your attention off of God's word and over onto these things. And he says, when you notice that, arrest your focus and take your attention back to the word. But he said, if he can't get you with just like discouragement, he will try to get you with distraction. That you get so busy maintaining life that you forget to pay attention to your heart, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Enter into your life and you take your attention off the word and onto the management of those things. And you know what I've seen from my generation? Everybody, you talk to us like, how are you? You know what what pretty much everybody says? Good, but busy. Good, but busy. How are you? Good, but busy. Did you know it's impossible to hurry and walk in any of the fruit of the Spirit? You can't be in a hurry and walking in love, joy, and peace at the same time. But the enemy makes us so busy, we don't have time for scripture, we don't have time for meditation. God literally told us, you want to make your way prosperous? Just get in the word. Meditate in the word. Give yourself over to the word, Joshua. Like, just get the word in your heart and you will make your own way prosperous. But out of this, we're so busy. We're so busy taking kids here and making this appointment and that appointment and these types of things that we have not given ourselves over to the word of God. But if we come to a place where you say, you know what? We're not just gonna have this stuff like laying on our coffee tables and laying in a drawer somewhere, just an app on our phone. We're gonna get the word of God where it should be. We're gonna get the word of God written on our hearts. And when temptation comes and when distraction comes and when all of these other things come, we are going to focus on the word. You need healing, get a word for healing. You need a turnaround, get a word on a turnaround. You got a giant in your life that needs to be slayed. Go read David until you see yourself as David. You want your kids living holy? Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Daniel and read in Daniel chapter one how Daniel made a decision to set himself that he would not go the way of the world. Pray that over your children. My children will be like Daniel. My children will be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will not bow their knee to the way of the world. You're not just praying a prayer. You're praying scripture. You're not just asking God to do what you want. You're coming to God and saying, here's what you want for me and my family. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than what you want for me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. What words are written on our heart? Let's make it by the end of the year. His 
His words are written on our hearts. Amen. Let me pray for you at all of our campuses. Father, we come before you today and we thank you. You said in scripture that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our afflictions, that your word is medicine, that your word is life. And Father, I thank you that each one of us gets a new conviction in our heart to get in your word gets a new conviction in our heart to study your word, read your word, until we find ourselves in your word. Let us get a promise from you for our children, a promise from you for our finances, a promise from you for our health, a promise from you for our family, for our marriage. Father, let our convictions, our beliefs, and our persuasions be found from hearing the word of God. And Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit would arrest any false belief or anything in us that needs to be tweaked or changed to remove someone else's words or even our own from our hearts and tie it more into yours. We love you, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.